Psalm 23. It's a short psalm. doesn't take us long to read it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Last Lord's Day we considered together the theme of the shepherd in Psalm 23. Focusing in particular on the personal nature of God's relationship with his people. We emphasize the statement, the Lord is my shepherd. The personal pronoun there being used by the child of God to describe his relationship with the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. How vital it is, I emphasize it again, to be assured of your true state before God as one of his sheep. Our meditation last time centered on the person of the shepherd. The Lord. You'll see again, it's in small capital letters in the English Bible. The Lord. Always when you see Lord or God in small capital letters in the Old Testament, it is invariably Jehovah. Always. That's the word, Jehovah. The I Am, the covenant-keeping God. He is the shepherd of the psalm. Jehovah. God is the shepherd of His chosen people, Israel. We learned this from Psalm 80. We even sang that this morning about God who is the shepherd of Israel, his chosen ones. And Jehovah of the Old Testament is to be identified with the Christ of the New Testament. We believe in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Son is Jehovah, every bit as much as the Father. We mentioned three titles as we expounded the theme of the shepherd. My shepherd. We began with John chapter 10 verse 11, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. The good shepherd therefore is connected with redemption, with sacrifice. He gives up his life for the sheep. That's how Christ is introduced there. The good shepherd, redemption. Then we looked at Hebrews 13 verse 20. And there the theme is not the good shepherd, but the chief shepherd, or sorry, the great shepherd of the sheep. Hebrews 13 verse 20. Now the God of peace, that's a really interesting title. One who produces peace, one who gives peace, one with whom we are to be at peace. But only through Christ, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. 
through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Notice the, the, the great shepherd is connected with the theme of resurrection. He's alive. Yes, he gave his life for the sheep in sacrifice on the cross. He laid down his life, but he took it again. The God of peace brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. He rose through the blood of the everlasting covenant. He's able, therefore, to save the sheep because he is alive. He's a living Savior. He's not a memory. He's not just a figure from history. He's a living Savior. He's in the world today. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He's the great shepherd connected with resurrection. And then in 1 Peter 5 verse 4, we noted this title, the chief shepherd. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Here we have the shepherd connected with reward. It mentions here a crown of glory. We don't know exactly what that means. We don't know what it signifies. Other than the fact that we will share in the glory of Christ. The sheep will be glorified along with their shepherd. They will share the throne with him. This is the shepherd of Psalm 23. He's the good shepherd. The shepherd of redemption. He is the great shepherd. The shepherd of resurrection. He is the chief shepherd. The shepherd of reward. But having established who the shepherd is. I want to glean from Psalm 23 and some related scriptures. What it is that the shepherd does. I don't know what picture in your mind you have of a shepherd and what his task is. But surely, above everything else, it is to look after the sheep. That's what makes him a shepherd. He cares for, he provides for, he looks after the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. And as the shepherd, he's involved in shepherding. What does that entail? Well, if you look at Psalm 23 and just follow the verses through, you'll be able to note how this is explained, the relationship of the shepherd to his sheep. This is what's going on here all the way through the psalm. The shepherd is spoken about, but he's spoken about in relationship to the sheep. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. That means I'm his sheep. He's the shepherd of the sheep. And he does certain things for the sheep, as the following verses will explain. So that's what I want us to think about today. What the shepherd does. And in the first place, you will note with me the shepherd and his property. The shepherd and his property. The sheep are his. That's a fundamental truth. They belong to him. And this is expressed in the statement, The Lord is my 
shepherd. I belong to Him. He's my shepherd. I am His sheep. This is the voice of the sheep acknowledging the ownership of the shepherd. I belong to the shepherd. I am one of His sheep. Just as in natural life, in shepherding, where shepherds buy their sheep, they they purchase them at the market or, or wherever, they purchase them so that they belong to them from that point on. So it is with the sheep of Christ. Last time we pointed this out, I want to repeat it. In the book of Acts, chapter 20, in verse 28, Paul was speaking to the elders of the church of Ephesus. And he says to them, Acts 20, verse 28, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock. Now, we know that that is a reference to sheep. When you talk about a flock, I know you can talk about a flock of geese. There are various other animals that could be described under that term, but it's obviously sheep here. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, or to all the sheep, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. The Lord has purchased his sheep. We've been bought with a price. Not by silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Therefore, God's people are not their own. They are the property of the shepherd. They are the purchase of his blood. All idea of individual rights goes out the window when we understand that we are the Lord's sheep. There are a lot of scriptures that emphasize this, of course. One of the other Psalms speaks of it. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, Jehovah, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. We're His sheep. Again, you turn over to the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel 34, verse 31. The very last verse of that chapter says, And ye, my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men, and I am your God, saith the Lord God. They are the property of the shepherd. This is underlined and it's emphasized in John chapter 10, from which we read. Just look at verse 3, verse 4, verse 14, verse 27. It's emphasized there all along that the sheep belong to him. John 10 verse 3. He calleth his own sheep by name. They're his own sheep. They belong to him. Look at verse 4. And when he putteth forth, there it is again, his own sheep. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. And am known of mine. They belong to him. They're his property. And finally verse 27. My sheep. Hear my voice. They're his. You must understand this. I must understand this. As the Lord's sheep. We are his property. 
We've been bought by him. He will use us as he sees fit. Now carefully note, the shepherd who has bought the sheep, whose property they are, he knows the sheep. He knows the sheep intimately. There's nothing about the sheep that he doesn't recognize and understand. And furthermore, they know him. Anyone who has worked with sheep for any length of time will know that a relationship develops between the shepherd and the sheep to the extent that the sheep know his voice. They know when their shepherd is near rather than some other shepherd. A man who was a minister in the Free Church of Scotland, Douglas Macmillan, who had been a shepherd, a natural shepherd in Scotland before he went into the ministry, talk about a flock of sheep that belonged to him, that his brother was looking after for him when he was away on a vacation. And he said it was interesting to note those sheep and the reaction that they had when he returned from vacation and when he opened his mouth and began to speak. They all came. And they did not respond to his brother the way that they responded to his commands. Why? Because the sheep know their shepherd. He knows them. And they know him. There's a relationship between them. Now every true pastor in the church understands that the sheep, the Lord's people, are exactly that. They're the Lord's people. They're not His. Ministers don't own the church. And the Lord has never said in His Word, I will build your church. It's not my church. It's the Lord's church. If the Lord were to take me away from this church today, it would still be His church. It's not mine. You don't belong to me. But as an under-shepherd, I have a responsibility to the sheep. What is that responsibility? John chapter 21, the Lord told Peter, Feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. But again, notice the pronoun that he used. He didn't say, Peter, feed your lambs, feed your sheep, feed your sheep. No, he said, my lambs, my sheep, my sheep. See, they belong to him. They're his property. The sheep know the shepherd's voice and they follow him because they are his property. Look again with me at John chapter 10 from verse 3. To him the porter openeth and the sheep hear his voice. The sheep hear his voice. Where is the voice of Christ today? Does he talk to us from heaven audibly so that we hear him speaking? No. The Apostle Paul said we don't know the Lord anymore after the flesh. One other of the Apostles said, Whom having not seen, ye love. We don't hear voices from heaven. Some people think they do. But they're mistaken. Here is the voice of Christ. See this book? This is the voice of Christ. This is where he speaks. This is where he ministers to us. This is how he guides us. This is how he directs us. The sheep hear his voice. 
The Lord Jesus said in the days of his flesh, those who don't hear my words, don't hear the words of God. He said of some, ye therefore hear them not, because you're not of God. You're not sheep. Because you don't hear his voice. You're not listening to his voice. You're not following him. You're not doing what his word says. John chapter 10 is very clear. Look at verse 3 again. The sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. That's different from our culture where the sheep usually have the shepherd behind them with the sheepdog. But there in the Middle East, the shepherd is at the front leading. He goeth before them, and the sheep follow him. Why? For they know his voice. They recognize his voice. They recognize when God is speaking to them. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This is how the Lord's sheep are to be recognized. They follow his voice. They hear his voice. And the word simply doesn't refer to audible hearing, as in you hear it. But it has to do with heeding as well. Hearing it so as to do it. Hearing it so as to obey it. Sometimes someone will say to you, because you didn't do what they wanted them to do, you didn't hear me, did you? Oh, I did, I heard you. But I'm not doing what what you asked me to do. Do we hear the Lord's voice? Again, John 10 verse 27. The Lord emphasizes it. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. This is the voice of Christ. He says, my sheep hear my voice. They don't buck against his voice. They hear my voice. That's emphasized as well in Psalm 23. Look carefully at verses 2 and 3. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. The margin is pastures of tender grass, feeding grounds. He leadeth me beside the still waters, or the waters of quietness. Sheep won't drink out of a river that's fast flowing. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In other words, the sheep go where his voice leads. And you know, this is how we can tell the sheep from the goats spiritually. Goats are noted for butting. I don't know if you've ever been around a goat, but goats can be very crafty and get your head turned, and when you've got your back turned, they'll butt you from behind. Goats are noted for butting all the time. And if we apply that spiritually, there are folks who will say, well, yeah, I know the Bible says such and such, but... I know that's what the Bible says, but. You know, that's, that's the talk of a goat. That's not the language of a sheep. That's the, that's the language of a goat. But. In Eastern culture, sheep and goats are often hard to tell apart. That's why you must understand when in Matthew 25, for example, the Lord Jesus said in the end that he will divide the sheep from the goats. You might say, well, that's easy to do in our culture. I can recognize a goat from a sheep. Yeah, but not in the Middle East. 
If you go to Jerusalem or some of the outskirts in Israel, you see sheep and goats together in a flock. You will not be able to tell them apart. Only a trained shepherd with a shepherd's eye can tell you the difference between a sheep and a goat. They're hard to tell apart. But the experienced shepherd knows who they are. He says, I know my sheep. In our culture, you could have those goats that have their beards clipped and their horns cut so that they look like sheep, but they're not. The sheep who are the Lord's property follow His voice. Where is that voice? It's in the Bible. Do you belong to Christ? My wife's favorite hymn is, Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. Those are the words of a sheep. I belong to him. He belongs to me. The Lord is my shepherd. I am his sheep. Is that your testimony today? But let's look secondly at this thought. The shepherd and his provision. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The word want is really the word lack. I will lack nothing. If the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything. That's what it means. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I nothing lack if I am his and he is mine forever, as the paraphrase goes. Verse 2 emphasizes it. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads us to the feeding grounds. He leadeth me beside the still waters. There's the shepherd and his provision. An old Scotswoman had only just recently been converted. And she tried to quote Psalm 23. And she said, the Lord is my shepherd, what more do I want? That's the sense of it. The Lord is my shepherd. What more do I want? I don't need anything else but Christ. For my eternal salvation, what do I need? I need Christ. Everything in its rightful place. The Bible talks about baptism. The Bible talks about communion. The Lord's Supper. The Bible talks about living righteously, doing good works. The Bible speaks about prayer, about reading the scriptures and all of these things. About godly living, about sanctification. But salvation is not in baptism. Salvation is not in church membership. Though we believe in church membership. Salvation is not in taking communion. It's not because we pray. It's not because we read the word or we witness to people. That's not how we're saved. Christ saves us. Christ plus nothing equals salvation. In some circles, it's Christ plus works. It's Christ plus sacraments. It's Christ plus the minister or the priest. It's Christ plus. Christ plus. But the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We have no lack if we have Him. And He provides all that the sheep needs. Verse 2 talks about the green pastures. Lying down in green pastures. The pastures of tender grass. It's referring to the best of fodder. The best of food possible to give the sheep. 
The Lord promises in his word that we will not lack anything when we're his. Psalm 34, verses 9 and 10. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want, it means no lack, to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Will not lack anything. See, the sheep of Christ are satisfied with what he provides. Many today are not satisfied just to have Christ. They want one foot in the church and one foot in the world. They don't want to just follow Christ, they want to follow something else. But the sheep of Christ are satisfied with what he provides. They'll not be desiring or craving the things that the shepherd has forbidden. You know a sheep that lies down in the grass is a sheep that's not hungry anymore. Whenever the sheep are feeding, you see them standing up and they're they're just feeding away on the grass. But when they lie down, they're just, you can hardly keep those eyes open. They're basking in the sun. Oh, they, they just love it. They're lying there in those pastures of tender grass. They're satisfied, you see. Their tummies are full. They're satisfied. They're not hungry anymore. They're content. And we have a shepherd who feeds us on his word. He feeds us on the means of grace. We feed on the finest of the wheat, if you like, the tender grass. And we're satisfied in him. But of course, when you stop praying, and when you stop reading the word, that's when backsliding begins. That's, it's, it's just as clear as it can be. Backsliding starts when you stop reading the word and you stop praying. You get away from the shepherd. You start wandering off, just as, as sheep are noted to do. So get into the word, and as you read, ask God to feed your soul. Lord, feed me. Feed my soul. You're the bread of life. Feed me. The shepherd and his provision. We have to move on quickly to the shepherd and his presence. Notice how it says here twice in Psalm 23, He leadeth me. Reminds me of one of our hymns. He leadeth me, O blessed thought. O word with heavenly comfort fraught. Where'er I go, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. We see this in Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He leadeth me in the paths, not of sin, but of righteousness for his name's sake. Oh, the shepherd is with his people. Note this in verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and it has been rightly observed that It's not the valley of death, it's the valley of the shadow of death. Spurgeon commenting on this said, I've never been bitten yet by the shadow of a dog. It might frighten me when I realize the size of the dog, but it's only his shadow. can't hurt me. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? For... Thou art with me. There's the shepherd and his presence. Thou art with me. He leadeth me. You know that sheep have no fear of predators if they can see their shepherd. There are predators 
that attacked the sheep. Whenever David the psalmist was talking about going out to fight Goliath, he mentioned to Saul how that thy servant was able to fight the lion and the bear and kill them with his sling and stone. Those were predators. The lion would rip the sheep to pieces. The bear would rip the sheep to pieces. There are other predators, wolves. The Lord talks about the wolves that try to enter in among the flock. Why? To do damage. To destroy. But the shepherd is with the sheep. And while it's good that they can see their shepherd, and therefore it takes away fear, it's more important that he can see them. Douglas Macmillan gave an illustration from his own life. When he said, on our land there was a particular mountain of about 1,500 feet tall, and from the top of that mountain I could see every thistle, as we would say in Scotland, every area where sheep were kept. I used to go up there with a pair of powerful binoculars, glasses, so that I could survey the whole area. Macmillan said, I remember been up there one early summer morning when the lambs were getting big. We were being troubled by hill foxes. In one year we lost 300 lambs because of foxes. So I was out there at 3.30 in the morning with binoculars, with a .303 rifle and a shepherd's crook. He said, I saw something then that I had never seen before and I've never forgotten since. Sitting on the top of the hill, I could see a fox, way down below me in a flat valley, working the sheep just the way a sheepdog works the sheep. You may have seen this on television, the sheepdog trials, where in the valleys of Wales, the shepherds have sheepdogs that round up the sheep and there's a competition for how well they do it, how quickly they do it and so on. He said, you know how the dogs wear the sheep, as we say, gathering them up, bunching them together, driving them, doing all these wonderful things. He said, well, here was a fox doing the exact same thing way down there below me, working the sheep. All the sheep mothers, the ewes, were in a great state of trial trying to protect their lambs. And the fox was actually trying to drive the sheep down to a boggy place, to a wet area. He was wanting to get the lambs stuck down there as they were getting big. I waited because this fox was working better than any sheepdog, any collie that I had ever seen. I waited a long time and the sheep were all distressed and troubled. For them their world was turning upside down and they had eyes only for the fox. Then when the time came, and I could see the fox really going in for the kill, I did something very, very simple. I put two fingers in my mouth and I whistled. And the fox was off like a shot. Away he went. Because you see, the fox recognized the power of the shepherd. There's a great illustration there, isn't there? See, the shepherd's eye was on his sheep all the time. He knew precisely what was going on. He had the ability in a moment to shield them from all danger and harm. And if that was true of Macmillan, a natural shepherd, how much more is that true of our shepherd? The Lord never slumbers. He never sleeps. He's always watching over us. 
His eye is on the sparrow. And I know He watches me. He never takes His eye off of us because He's watching out for the good of His sheep. The Lord knows the kind of person that you are and I am. He knows our circumstances. And He will suit His wonderful grace to meet the kind of person that you and I are. The Lord has a special way of dealing with us, each one, because He deals with His sheep individually. We must understand as the Lord's sheep that His presence is always with us. No matter what the circumstances you find yourself in, as the Lord's sheep, He is always with you. I was reading this verse to my wife the other night from Hebrews. He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Never. Think then about the shepherd and his protection. We've mentioned this to some degree, but verse 4 deals with this even more fully when it mentions the rod and the staff. If I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Not going to be afraid. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, many commentators, some of them at least, will tell you that the shepherd has two implements. He has a rod, which is his crook, and he has a a stick. But I don't believe that's true. I believe this is talking about one piece of wood. One instrument. And every shepherd I've ever known has one great instrument that he carries. It's called his crook. It's rounded on one end. You've seen a crook, a shepherd's crook. It's got a a, a circle on one end. And then there's the other end of the stick, which can serve as a club or a weapon. And so the rod and the staff are a comfort to the sheep because the shepherd's crook can be used to protect the sheep and the lambs. It's used to protect them from the consequences of their own foolishness. And their own waywardness. Sometimes sheep try to break out through a hole in the fence. If I had a dollar for every time I saw that in my lifetime back where I used to live, I'd be a very rich man. Sheep love to find a place to to break out. They love to get out through that hole. And if one does it, guess what? They all do it. Next thing you'll see them all on a country road, all gathered there and you're driving up. What in the world happened here? Well, you know what happened. The farmer was away somewhere and one of the sheep found a hole in the fence. Out he came and they all came out. Because that's what sheep do. They're dumb that way. They're followers. Sometimes a lamb will go down over a cliff edge, down over a ravine, sometimes down onto a grassy area. And he can't get back up, but the shepherd will take that big crook and put it around his neck and lift them back out. It's a beautiful thing. The crook is used to keep the the lambs and the sheep from danger. Sometimes they fall into a bog or a pit. Or sometimes they might fall into the river or fall into the sea. They get too close to the edge and in they go. And the shepherd takes that crook and he pulls them out. Doesn't the Lord do that with us? We go astray. We wander. We follow our own stupid ways. And then the Lord has to bring us back. Put the crook around our neck. But of course, 
The rod and the staff could also be used as a defensive weapon to fend off predators. The other end of the crook is just a stick. They can use that to beat any animal that comes to try to get to the sheep. The Lord is the defender of his sheep. And of course the the rod can be used as a disciplinary stick to correct the sheep when it strays. Might have to get a little pop with that stick to teach it to get back into the right way. Oh, the shepherd and his protection. We should thank the Lord for that. He doesn't let us go our own way. He doesn't let us just drift until we're no longer to be seen. He brings us back. But there's one other thing, and it's the shepherd and his preservation. Verse 5 and verse 6. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That's an an exalted area. That's a high place. A plateau. Where he takes the sheep after leading them through the valley to this high place. And he protects them. Not only from predators, but from insects. And from parasites that can hurt the sheep. And that's the significance of this. Thou anointest my head with oil. There's a material that a shepherd will pour on the head or on the body of the sheep to kill flies and parasites, things that would destroy the sheep's health. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's the Lord's preservation, keeping the sheep to the end. And that's what a true shepherd does. He keeps his sheep. He preserves them. His goodness and his mercy follows them every step of the way. Every cloud has a silver lining. And as Spurgeon once said in one of his devotionals, the shepherd has his sheepdogs. And his sheepdogs are goodness and mercy. Oh, the goodness of the Lord to us in the land of the living. The mercy of the Lord to us. How gracious he is. And he's going to keep every one of his sheep till they reach the house of the Lord that is eternal. There are some who would say, well, some of the sheep could be lost. No, they can't. Not when they're the Lord's sheep. Because in John 10, 27 and 28, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. That's how we know that they're sheep. And I know them. And they follow me. That's how we know that they're sheep. And I give unto them eternal life. And in case you didn't get that, he says, And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. There's a double security. We're in the hand of Christ. We're in the hand of the Father. We cannot be lost if we are his sheep. What encouragement there is in this. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For obvious reasons, I've been thinking a lot about that in recent days. What must that be to be in the house of the Lord forever? You might be here 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, even 90 years, maybe 100 years. But one day you will pass away if the Lord doesn't come first. And that great span of life will seem like nothing. I look back over my own life, starting to talk like an old man now. 
and it seems like a flash it really does absolute flash my wife and I were married on the 10th of February 19 better get it right 81 1981 42 years and something it's hard to believe it just seems that, that just does not seem possible you look back over your life and think about some of the epochs of your life some of the high points of your life and think, really? really? was that that long ago? did that really happen those many years ago? it's only a flash isn't it? this life is but a vapour that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away I don't care how long you live it's still short it's short and eternity is long eternity is eternity it's forever and forever and forever John Newton said when we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun with no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun 10,000 years nothing forever how sobering is this and yet how encouraging it is for the sheep of the Lord Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that he is going to lead us into fountains of living waters just like the shepherd here leads the sheep beside the still waters he's going to do that when we're in heaven he will lead us and he will feed us and we're going to be with him forever and forever when labor's ended and the journey's done then he will lead me safely to my home there I will dwell in rapture sure and sweet with all the loved ones gathered at his feet following Jesus ever day by day nothing can harm me when he leads the way darkness or sunshine whate'er befall Jesus my shepherd is my all in all I trust that he's your all in all today I trust you know him that you hear his voice and that you follow him and if you do he's going to be with you throughout the endless ages of eternity